We're back on Show Me Today. Elizabeth King is a biological sciences assistant professor at the University of Missouri, and she was awarded a five-year, $1.9 million grant to expand her research on genetics involving the study of fruit flies. We've gotten this grant. We, we work on fruit flies in my lab. We've been working um, on, I guess I've been here almost almost 10 years. Um, so we've been working on this system, trying to understand generally um, what is going on under the hood of complex traits. And all we really mean when we call a trait complex is, is that it's not going to be these sort of simple stories that you, you know, probably first learned about in biology class where there's sort of just one gene and it determines this one phenotype. Most of the traits that we're actually interested in are much more complex than that, are determined by lots of different genetic variants. Uh, the environment matters a lot. Uh, they interact with one another. It matters what other genotypes you have at other locations in the genome. And so it's been kind of a big problem for scientists to try to uh, get at the, the underlying mechanisms the genetics of what's going on with those traits. And so that's uh, what we work on and and what we're going to be working on with this grant. So harnessing the power of the fruit fly to develop uh, lessons about what these genetic traits are. So my first question Mm -hmm. is sort of what led to you studying specifically the fruit fly? Sure, yeah. So they, fruit flies actually have quite a long history in genetics. Um, they were, they were used really early on in some of the earliest studies of genetics. And so what that, you know, the, kind of that history has led to them having a lot of genetic tools available that, that aren't available in other systems. So often we have more things um, that we can, more little tricks that we can do um, with fruit flies. We can order up different genotypes, for example, that have genes knocked out <clears throat> just from a stock center that exists. Um, that's, that doesn't exist in most other organisms. Uh, their genomes are pretty small, so that means that we can do quite a lot of sequencing. We do a ton of genomic sequencing and gene expression sequencing, RNA sequencing in my lab. Um, for, you know, uh, pretty cheaply um, because their genomes are quite small. Um, and so we just kind of have like a lot of this background knowledge already on fruit fly model systems. There's a lot of different labs that are working on them. And so we can ask these questions in this system um, that, that aren't possible in other systems just because of uh, all of the knowledge that already exists, all the, the data sets that are already out there that we might be able to pull together and figure out some, some answers to these more complex interrelated traits um, and things like that. Um, and then uh, we do also one of the approaches that we take in my lab is we will actually evolve populations of flies. And so, for example, we might have a, a population of flies that are all, you know, mating together in a big population cage. We might have a couple of thousand flies in a single cage. And we can do things like put them in a little wind tunnel that's sort of like a flying treadmill, essentially, for flies and select the ones that, that are able to get the furthest. And we can do that over and over again and evolve flies that are really good at flight. Right. Um, And then we can watch their genomes change by sequencing each generation, a set of those flies. Um, And that is only feasible in something where you can go from an, you know, an egg to an adult uh, in a couple of weeks, which is what uh, what is possible in fruit flies. So we can do those experiments pretty quickly as well. So that's some of the reasons why they're useful. And before we continue on in the conversation, if you're tuning in late or if you want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Show Me Today wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple or Google Podcasts. All you have to do is in the search bar, type in Show Me Today, click download and or listen and take us on the go with you. We're talking with Dr. Elizabeth King, Associate Professor in the Division of Biological Sciences on the University of Missouri. We're talking about biology, specifically better understanding complex genetic traits 
a rather fascinating study, and uh, we were most recently talking about how she is studying the fruit fly. She was awarded recently a grant of nearly $2 million to expand her research on genetics using this fruit fly model. So let's sort of uh, switch gears here. With what you discover and then what you apply, how does that or how is that then applied to, for example, humans? Sure. Um, so, you know, humans and fruit flies uh, share some ancestry. All all organisms on Earth share some an- ancestry, right? So it's not particular necessarily to that model. Um, but because of that, we can we can use some of the lessons that we learn in fruit flies and apply those to humans. So, uh, for example, you know, something like 75% of, of uh, disease-connected uh, traits in humans um, have some ortholog where we can identify that same gene that we know, um, you know, has, has uh, you know, common ancestry, essentially, in the fruit fly. Um, and we can then you know, potentially link those things. So, uh, you know, some of the some of the genetic variants that we discover that are important for the different kinds of traits that we're studying, you know, we might be able to then um, apply those to to some lessons in humans, right? Those would probably be done by human geneticists that are that would follow up on our studies, right? But that connection is always possible when we're looking at these kinds of traits. And then another thing that really motivates us is, is, like I talked about a little bit already, this has been a really hard problem in science in, you know, essentially figuring out the underlying genetic mechanisms for these more complex phenotypes. And really, I think the field is, you know, if science is trying to figure out, like, how do we best approach these these traits? You know, we know one of the lessons that we've learned by trying to, you know, study them for for many years. We've we've been able to, you know, sequence human genomes for a couple of decades now. And one of the lessons I think is that a lot of the the things don't fit into these sort of simple stories, right, where there's really simple explanations and we can point to a very specific genotype and that does one thing, right, um, and that the reality seems to be much more complex. And so some of the questions that we have are, well, how do we actually approach those studies? How do we design better studies? Uh, should we be looking at, you know, only at the genomic level and then one high-level phenotype? Do we need to look at traits at many multiple different levels um, and and then try to connect those things better. And so we're really interested also just in that kind of methods development and how those lessons might then allow us to kind of better approach these kinds of studies in maybe some human systems. A follow-up, if I may, you were talking a little bit sure. earlier on, um, uh, mentioned the wind tunnel potentially uh, mm-hmm. evolving and things like that. Uh, on, yeah. on that same sort of idea is the sort of premise for this question here, and that is, um, could this research then somewhere down the line be used to, I don't know, prevent can- some types of cancer or Parkinson's or heart disease or something like that? I mean, I, I, I think anything is possible, right, <laughs> in terms of sort of what we figure out, um, you know, any any lessons that we find out about, um, you know, essentially the physiology that are underlying these kinds of traits, I think, you know, we, it's hard to predict exactly where that could go, right? So, you know, we, we are one of the traits that we're studying is flight. It's not the only trait. We're also studying things that are tied to, for example, lifespan and reproduction. Um, and, you know, the variants that we find there, you know, certainly could have potential implications for, for all sorts of, of phenotypes that are connected to those things down the road. That's going to be, you know, sort of um, further into the future, certainly, right, and probably not done exclusively in our lab. We are really a basic science lab. And so any anything that is directly connected to humans, we would probably 
collaborate or some some lab that's that's working directly on human genetics would kind of take things over from there. But we're, what we're really hoping to kind of like get the ball rolling and and sort of you know, see how we can better understand these these traits in, in a sort of precision medicine type thing. How do we actually approach that if we want to get to the point where a genome in your medical file is actually really useful? Right now, it's useful for some traits, but for most of them, you know, we, we don't really have quite enough knowledge yet. And so we want to try to figure that out a little bit better. And I guess on that same idea, the notion of, you know, you mentioned lifespan, the idea that, mm -hmm. you know, our climate continues to change on a daily basis and potentially using research to uh, apply to an adapting in a changing environment, whether or not we could potentially, you know, live in either warmer or colder climates or just things like that. I'm just thinking out loud here. Sure. Yeah. One of the one of the big goals of this grant is trying to understand, like, when does it really matter what your environment is to know what some particular genetic variant um, will have what effect that will have on your phenotype because those things can be really different, right? Um, you know, different different genotypes can can cause different effects in different kinds of environments. Whether that is like you just talked about some temperature environment, or whether it's your nutritional environment. That's something else that we work on quite a lot is how your diet and your genome interact to produce some phenotype. Um, and we already know that those things are also you know have a genetic basis, how how individuals respond to the environment. And and so that's also a, a main focus and, and a great way to be able to use flies because you can take the same genotype of flies and we can rear them in multiple different environments to try to actually observe those effects directly. Concluding question here, and that being, what is the path forward? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what we're really hoping to see come out of this grant, um, you know, like we're just getting started. Like you said, we were just awarded this. And so we've got, uh, you know, a great, we're really excited about the next five years and what we're going to study. Um, and I think what we're hoping will come out of it at the end of it is, you know, like, like I talked about, some really key lessons about how do we approach these complex traits better? Do we need to measure multiple interrelated phenotypes at the same time? Um, should we be focusing at the gene expression level more than we are, um, you know, kind of how do we leverage these genomes a little bit better? And so th those are the lessons that we're, we're hoping to get. And, you know, maybe we'll talk again and we can follow up on that. Absolutely. We're talking with Dr. Elizabeth King, Associate Professor in the Division of Biological Sciences at the University of Missouri here on Show Me Today. And this is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.